Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of your favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. All right, welcome back to another episode of our Deconstruction of Predator. This is our episode three. We're going to start out where uh, Dutch and his group finds the, the gorilla camp, and we're going to go all the way to where Dutch and Dylan have their confrontation about the true meaning of the mission, the true facts of the mission. Let's just get <laughs> right into it. All right. Uh, Dutch crawls down the embankment to the perimeter camp. He, he pulls out his uh, binoculars, I believe, and he checks out the camp to see what he sees and he sees a bunch of guards playing cards he sees some guards in the bunker uh yeah it's, it's like dozens of guys down there yeah it's a it's a definitely an organized group of people yeah but uh dutch sees one of the guards shoot a hostage in the head this is an important person in the movie not so much as a character but who the the uh a guard is because this is played by sven thorson who's a huge character actor that plays in a lot of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. That's right. Yeah, he he had to have been a bodybuilder, friend of Arnold's, but, I mean, this guy was in both the Conan movies and Red Sonja, Raw Deal, Running Man, Red Heat, Twins, Terminator 2, Last Action Hero, Eraser, End of Days, Collateral Damage, and then he also had a cameo, like Arnold had a cameo, in The Rundown, the movie with The Rock. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw that movie, but... It's pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Well, he's also... Did you mention Gladiator? No. I was just thinking with the Arnold flicks. Oh, okay. But yeah. Yeah. So he's also in Gladiator. And uh, Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Another McTiernan movie. So he's just been on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So he's that guy who you always see, big swole yeah. looking like... Looks like a Viking. Now, he's not Pat Roach, if you, you don't get those two mistaken. No. Pat Roach is the guy that's in... Uh, the Indiana Jones films. He's the right. guy, the big German. Yeah. He's also in the second Indiana Jones film. The, and he's in all three. Yeah, I think. Or he I don't know if he's is. in Crystal Skull, but he was I don't in. Think uh, he's in Crystal Skull. I don't even. I hope he's not. <laughs> I don't accept Crystal Skull as an actual Indiana Jones movie. Arnold kind of slides down that embankment, as you said. He's like sliding over the leaves. Did you like when you were little? Did you used to play war and stuff like that with friends? Like no. did you crawl around in the. In the dirt and all like that. Because it looked kind of fun the way he's sliding down. <laughs> I didn't only because where I lived, my mom was so afraid, afraid of deer ticks. That uh, <laughs> she would, wouldn't really allow us to. You're a country boy. Yeah. We were, I mean, we played in the woods and everything like that. But I mean. You didn't roll around in it? No, nah, not really. Because <laughs> uh, it would be like a, a daily like tick check when we got home at night. So. Yeah. I, see, I think seeing movies like this and like the Rambo movies, like we would run around in the woods like with sticks for guns and like crawling around. Like building piles of leaves to like throw ourselves into and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. which I think was now that looking back on it, I feel like it was more like inspired by watching these movies. Possibly, Uh, I don't know if that's what they were going for (laughs) when they filmed this, but I Uh I can see the uh, the correlation. Um, But so yeah, after he caps this guy, uh, you know, Dutch turns the rest of his crew and says like, "Oh, we got to act quick." Yeah, yeah. You know, so he starts putting them in position. Yeah, he starts giving all these commands like military jargon, like uh, you know, you the nest, you the guard, yeah. and I, I mean, I don't know what any of that stuff means, but it sounded pretty cool though. 
Yeah, well, he breaks them up into like groups. He, uh-huh. So Mac and Blaine, they, they take out the bunker and the booby trap. It's kind of cool when uh, they're crawling through, you know, and Blaine almost trips that trip wire. He like sort of sees it and they rack focus on the wire and he's like right in front yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. And then they come through and they're like snipping the wire and like, yeah, disabling the bomb. Yeah, I would have just went running through and like exploded myself. <laughs> <laughs> Blow yourself up. It's <laughs> minute one. Yeah. Um, uh, so Mac and Blaine, they take out the bunker and the movie uh-huh. trap. Dylan and Hawk, and they split off into a group, and they're basically on watch. They're like right, the, they're overwatch. They're HQ. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's cool, and the guys are like just sort of. I mean, the, the the guys were in their element. Yeah, like they were moving real stealth. Like they were sort of picking guys off quietly, like using knives and you know choking dudes out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Mac sort of whistling. Do the bird call. That, doing a bird call. That guy <laughs> leans over and gets stuck in the throat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, these guys are like, this is this is their their job. You yeah, know, like their, you can this tell. Is what they brought him for. Uh, so I got a question. Where where's Poncho? All this. Like, what group did he split off into? Uh, Poncho. You only see Poncho him later. and Blaine are together, but yeah, and we don't really. Oh no, Blaine was with uh, Blaine Mac. was with Mac. Huh. He told Blaine Poncho. Poncho was in the nest or whatever. Like, yeah, whatever. I, yeah they never <laughs> I don't know what that word. means. Yeah, yeah. Poncho just kind of went off on his own because and that means you go take a coffee break. <laughs> Mac and Blaine do their thing. Uh, Dylan and Hawkins are the age. They're watching. You got Arnold is like Arnold's moving by himself. By himself. So where's Poncho? Like there, you he's never. Probably, he just shows up later on. He's probably laying. Yeah, laying back, loading the guns. <laughs> maybe I don't. Yeah, but that's I, a good question. Yeah, they don't really show him during this whole. Maybe his scenes just got cut. Yeah, maybe, I don't. Did he, yeah. Well, did he? Did he ambush someone or was it? He um, did. That's what's so weird because he comes. He shows up later in the fight. And of he's course, yeah. Blowing, he's launching grenades. Blowing shit up. But like, you never see him break off with the group. I mean, it's a, a minor detail, but still, I, I remember thinking, where he, where was he? Because he, okay. he must have been with Mac and Blaine. He had yeah, to have been. Maybe he's just so stealthy that he didn't even appear on camera. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this, there, here's, here's the famous scene where uh, Dutch puts the bomb in the truck. This yeah, is, he this like, is coming this, up. you know, picks up a truck. You yeah, know. and did you want to tell a little bit how, about how that started? Well, yeah. Well, so on the how that came about. Yeah, so John McTiernan says in the in the script, basically, it just says you know, the crew bust into the rebel base and just start shooting up the joint. Yeah. Um, but you know they got there and they're like, well, you know, we got to have some. We can't just go right into a gun battle. Like we got to have some build up. So they added in all the stuff I think about them like taking out some of the guards, Arnold. That whole thing, I think, with picking up the truck and rolling it down into the base was something that they just came up with. I mean, that it seems, all works really well. Yeah, yeah, you can't just have them just sort of bust out of the woods shooting. Like, so yeah, I like this a little better, a little more build up. It definitely looks cool, but it's a bit overkill. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you have time to do all that. Like, well, that was a weird little. It was a weird fight. little bomb he had because it was sort of like tucked into a knapsack or something. Like, yeah, I feel like I've seen strap. those bombs before. Like, I think I've seen that bomb in uh, one of the James Bond, the Timothy Dalton James Bond. Oh, yeah, it's like, that's a like some spy. Yeah. That's like a spy weapon for real. Uh, it's probably yeah. some C four or something. <laughs> but uh, he he so he places the bomb in the back of a truck, and the, they're using his truck as like a generator or water right generator. right yeah it's got the wheels taken yeah. off and they're just running it yeah to pump and so water this is just yet another excuse for arnold to flex his muscles you gotta show screen. how strong like in, in case you didn't realize <laughs> that five time mr olympia has some big muscles so you let know, us like, show you, you yet gotta, one more so, time have, 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 did you know he could pick up a truck <laughs> oh, but do you by think, the way <laughs> do you think this was like a gag or do you think he really 
picked it up. I mean, oh. it's going to be a little bit lighter. A, the back of a truck's not that well, what heavy. What kind of truck was it? Like, and was they it a... had the wheels off and stuff like that. So it's a, a lighter than a normal truck would be. Well, now, if it was an American-made truck, you know, if it, it was a Ford. Like they had it propped up on wood, right? So it's not like he really like just lifted it way the hell up he off the He didn't pick ground. it up over his head. But yeah, still, he just it lifted it enough truck. that the little logs that were holding it up fell over, and then he dropped it. I don't. So he might have lifted it in an inch or two. Let's go out and try to lift the truck right now and see uh, if we can duplicate the two it. of us together. <laughs> maybe, maybe we can make a move. Yeah. <laughs> so he lifts up the truck and he sets it on its way into the village, and that's kind of like the signal because once it hits, uh, which is kind of cool because like one of the rebels jumps in the truck and he tries He's to, stop to stop it. Yeah, they think it's an accident. Yeah, and it and it ends up blowing up the guys while they're yeah. eating like breakfast. And then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, and then I mean it's just a shit storm. That's after a, that. as uh as Dylan said to Hawkins, it's showtime. Yeah. The, the, no, the, so much happens in the next couple of minutes that it's oh, gonna it's be crazy. a little difficult for us to hit everything, uh-huh. but we're gonna try our best. <laughs> right? Like yeah, I mean really like bodies are just literally flying everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know until um, I was just reading. Like, so the stunt coordinator on the movie, he he was also the stunt guy on the A Team. Who was the stunt coordinator? Oh, for this, I don't, yeah, I don't know his name, but you can kind of see that because it's like A Team style, like kind of cartoon action, like st- bodies flying around and stuff so like that. Is his anger at not being able to show the violence on the A Team? Is it taken out in spades? In this, <laughs> Maybe so. In this right like, here, finally, I get to put some squibs <laughs> on people, you know? Because yeah, dudes were just getting blown to oh, bits. Oh, this is just like like <laughs> I when I was taking notes, I wrote down an orgy of violence. Right, like our dudes are killing everyone, everything, and everybody. Is and killed. I swear, there was more. I think every like stuntman, every extra that they had on there probably got killed like three times. Yeah, no negotiation. They kept telling him switch into some clean fatigues yeah. and get back out here because you're about to get killed again. Because <laughs> yeah. they saw maybe like you know a dozen or so guys when they were looking through the binoculars, but they had to have killed at least fifty oh, guys absolutely. in the scene. I mean, they, they killed. They were yeah. just mowing guys down. This probably I don't know how many of this added to like. Uh, Arnold's like ongoing list of kills in a movie, but oh. I, it had to be like a third. There used it to be. It is a lot. And you know that was a thing back then. Is oh, like, it's like, like one who, dude taking out a whole army. Who's got the most kills in a movie? Like it was such a badge of honor. Of course. But yeah, in this scene, they they, they literally kill everybody. Uh, I think Blaine pulls out Painless This again. is the first time we get to see Him Painless act, actually painless shoot. Action, yeah. And I don't... So it's cool because, you know... We see Painless in action and it's killing people. If they had shot this today, it would have been like Painless would have cut people in half. You would have seen like oh, the yeah. body splatter and the different parts blowing up we all the place. We probably should mention, just in case, Painless is like the nickname for the minigun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just so, just so in case anyone forgot. Yeah. But yeah, so he's wasting dudes with this thing. He's yeah. shooting guys out of the treetops. Yeah, he blows up a tree. <laughs> with this Basically, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, they are just. Mowing people down. I mean, yeah. it's insane. Poncho's got like he's launching grenades. And it's, no, there's no, there's no negotiation at this point. They're just no. like, and they haven't. The funny part is they haven't been attacked themselves. They just saw this one guy kill a hostage, and they're like, okay, yeah. we're going in guns blazing, right? Um, I don't. Which they uh, Arnold keeps saying, well, we're not assassins, but they're kind of assassins at this point. Well, when you're outnumbered like that, probably negotiation is not like your best <laughs> tactic. Like, uh, the six of you walk first. out and you're like, hey, 50 guys, 
let's negotiate a, a ceasefire. So shoot first, ask questions later. As, when you got the element of surprise, I guess. Yeah. So uh, Dylan shoots the helicopter pilot in the yeah. The, so the Russians scramble for the chopper, yeah. and yeah, Dylan and like Dutch. how did they think they were going to get out of there? Like with this whole big gunfire, they were going to take off know. in the middle of the jungle. But Dylan and Dutch weren't having any of that. Yeah. So Dylan shoots the the uh, helicopter pilot uh-huh. and passenger, and Dutch blows up the helicopter. What did he do with one of his grenades? Yeah, with one the of the grenade, grenade launcher on grenade his launcher, gun. Yeah. He had a pretty great gun. That's like the iconic. Action yeah. movie like Commando Gun, the machine gun with a grenade launcher. Uh, is that a is that a real gun? I, mean, I think it is. Out I've there... seen that in a lot of movies. Yeah, but I mean, is it a real gun or is it like a Hollywood gun? Like I don't. That's true. Yeah, like I mean, you this... can't imagine actual. Like if organized... you're out in the field, like is that like a gun that you would really want to use? Right, like organized military guys with like a legit like backup and stuff like that. They're probably not messing with that. Yeah, but plus I'm thinking when you're like a one man army. Yeah. yeah, that's probably. Like I, I can't imagine weapon. firing a, the gun and it gets overheated and it's blowing up your your uh, grenades and your right. it's loaded up in your tube. Yeah, the gun Mac has is like, um, it's another big machine gun that fires like a belt of bullets. Yeah, that mm-hmm. feeds through it. And he was talking about you know this is like a gun that's meant to be mounted on, also like on a helicopter or you know on on a on the back of a flatbed or something like that. And um, the stunt guy like warned him, you know, you can't, you got to fire bursts because mm-hmm. if you just pull hold the trigger down, you'll melt the barrel of the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they said, you know, first time out, he just held the trigger down and like, fired off. Everything. <laughs> He's all excited uh, to fire then, off this right, gun. Right, the stunt, like the military advisor was like, oh, that's right, this is just a movie. I, I remember that one scene where Dutch is like walking through the camp and he's just firing off at random things behind yeah. him. I thought he had a, like a video game. Yeah, I thought he had an interesting. It didn't look like he was firing a gun. It looks like he was throwing the bullets out of the gun. If that makes any sense. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have it like in his shoulder. He yeah, kind of had it down in his waist. And it was just. Yeah, and it was just. It was. You have to see it to to really grasp what I'm talking about. But he doesn't actually fire the gun. He. It's like he's throwing the bullets out of the gun. I, I don't know if they... I'm sure that they had military training and gun training before they shot this movie, but I, I've always thought that stuck out into my head that it, yeah. he had an awkward shooting style. Right. Like, you can tell nowadays, I think they, they'll they do, like, a boot camp and try to get everyone, like, really yeah. in, in step with trying to make it look authentic. And, yeah, mm. these guys were just kind of holding the guns however they felt comfortable. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean... You would not be firing a machine gun just holding it like down a low side like arm, that. like just using your muscles. To Even do if it. you're Arnold, yeah, the thing is gonna probably buck a lot. Yeah. But I mean, they killed so many guys. Yeah, and I yeah. think they killed every single person in this country. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. They, it was a, a coup for sure. So Arnold Schwarzenegger is famous for his one-liners, yeah. and obviously he had the famous one-liner in Terminator. I'll be back. But he has so many in this movie. But one of the first ones that comes out. Is when he throws that machete at that right. guy and he, he sticks him to the wall uh-huh. and he's like, uh, stick around. <laughs> this like sly smile on his face. Those lines usually don't work, you know, but nobody this one kind of worked. Nobody else, no other actor. And we've said that uh, we've talked about how Arnold is not necessarily a great actor, but he has so, so much charisma uh-huh. that he makes things work. That's no other actor could pull this off. No other actor could say these cheesy ass lines and and make it like, oh yeah, that doc, that's yeah. cool. He's the only he, person I he does I can make think it of, work. Um, I can think John McClane and Die Hard has like had a, had some good little quippy lines like that that I, make you laugh. Like true, because right after you kill someone, 
it doesn't seem like the time that you would like try to crack a joke. <laughs> yeah. That's like the thing that makes it weird, right? But I feel like McLean, when he says his one-liners, he means what he's saying. Like he's not trying to be. Well, funny. what about when he blew away Hans at the at the beginning of Die Hard One, and he's like, "Happy trails, Hans!" Like when he's falling out the window, like <laughs> yeah. he breaks out the old western. Yeah, line. yeah. Um, or yippee ki yay, motherfucker. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so he has another one that right, like right after that, where he uh, he kicks knock, the door in. Knock. He's like knock knock, and he blows uh, Sven <laughs> old Thorson away. Yeah. So he's got a sense of humor when he's when he's killing dudes. Yeah, I basically. feel like so that was an obvious that was obviously a stunt right there, and I feel like the reason that Sven old Sven old Thorson mm-hmm. is able to make all these movies because he's a properly trained. Stuntman, right. also. So I think that was really him doing that stunt. Yeah, like, first like, of all, pull, how are you going to find a stunt double for that big ass dude? <laughs> Do you think so? Did Arnold shoot him with one of the grenades? I think so. Okay. I think he shot it him with a grenade and blew, actually blow up. It wasn't it like, like a, knocked him right through the wall. So he didn't blow up, but it couldn't have been a bullet because it, it wasn't knocked him out yeah. of the back of the the little yeah. cabin they were in. So it was bigger than a bullet, but maybe not. It, as probably, big it as must a, have been one of the grenades. Had to maybe been a it, grenade. Yeah. Maybe they just forgot to <laughs> show the the blast and the and <laughs> post. But this whole thing, I mean, it's like ten straight minutes of just nothing but dudes shooting guns. Yeah. Like how many bullets do you think they fired shooting this? Oh, scene? I, I mean thousands. Yeah, right. Oh yeah. I think. I was thinking, like, when when I was getting real critical about it, like, they had to have shot more ammunition than these guys could possibly have carried in. This is, the, yeah, they, they shot more ammunition in this movie completely than they probably did in most, like, World War yeah. films or any kind of war and film. And, like, I don't recall ever seeing any of these dudes stopping to reload during this sequence, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, Neither do I. Maybe they're, whenever they're not on screen, they're reloading. But yeah, there's not that scene of the gun getting too hot. In but hand. yeah, I don't think these dudes. I don't think that with the gear that they came in with, that they could have been carrying as many bullets as got fired in this scene. So, and I, the weight of it all. I see what you're saying, but there was that one, you know, earlier in the in the film where he pulls out Painless. <laughs> right. You don't ever see like him that in a backpack or anything <laughs> like that. So they, they they've got the magical they weapons. Had a, they would have had like a team of mules like carrying <laughs> yeah. all this stuff in. It would, yeah, yeah. Anyway. they they had way more bullets than they they needed. John McTiernan told a story about uh, how the studio. He said he was sort of troubled by it but like the studio just kept being really insistent about they want a lot of shots a lot of camera shots of guys shooting guns yeah, in the they, movie yeah, they got, like, they, they, got want. they want he's like they just were obsessed like we want shots of like you know like uh that scene in jackie brown mm-hmm. where he's just watching girls with guns mm-hmm. video and it's just like just chicks in bikinis shooting guns it was like the the male version of that it was gotcha. just like gun porn you know yeah i think i think i read that somewhere also and and McTiernan was so upset with the studio basically telling him how to make his movie that he overkilled it. Like he was yeah. like, well, I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to go so over the top with it. that Especially it's almost, later in the movie when oh, they're yeah. shooting at Predator and yeah. like, they knock the whole forest down yeah, yeah. and like, don't hit like, anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he's talking about... It's weird for McTiernan to sort of you know be on this moral high ground about the gun violence and yeah. stuff. Because, I mean, his movies were some violent movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. that he did. I mean, this was his first big movie, his first action movie. But after that, But after that, it was like, did. die hard, die yeah, hard. I don't see him making the notebook. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but, uh, so we have, I think, our last major characters introduced in this scene also. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's Anna, who is played by, and I'm going to, hopefully I pronounce her name correctly, 
uh, El Padilla Carrillo, uh, who is a, a famous Mexican actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's introduced in the scene because she walks up behind Arnold with a loaded gun. Like, how did she not just get a shot off? Right. She could have shot him from he across the room. Off. Yeah. She like, yeah, she sort of cocked the gun. She, yeah, she cocks the gun behind Arnold's head and then he turns around and he's hits so her with the quick. butt of his gun. Somehow he's like whips around and like, yeah, just smashes her face. Yeah. So that's how we are introduced to Anna. <laughs> now, do you think they got away with sort of doing like violence against a woman like that because he sort of he didn't know if it was a man or a woman behind Oh, absolutely. Him. Yeah, they didn't know who it was. And I, even, I, I mean, even so, if they had shown her walk up with a gun, he still could have gotten away with it. Because oh, even that, yeah, even to a viewer. Back then, yeah. Even, and even to a viewer, they didn't show until after he hit the person. They didn't, we didn't, they didn't reveal that it was a woman. Yeah. And they were just showing like sort of from the waist down or from the shoulders yeah, down. Yeah, I think and it, she had a hat on. Yeah. So you, it could yeah. have been like a guy or a girl. Right. So anyway, yeah, you don't, you just don't see too many movies where a dude is going to smash a woman's face anymore. Uh, well, like, funny enough, uh, that fight that Arnold gets in with his wife and Total Recall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. On the behind-the-scenes features, they had Carl Weathers and um, Shane Black were both talking about just how much fun it was mm-hmm. to shoot the battle, mm-hmm. which you can imagine. Like, you're just getting to run. It's like a, being a kid. Yeah. Except you're running around making real, like, gunshot noises, like, with real guns, and you know that you're going to... You think they were, like, going, pew, pew, pew. Right. (laughs) But, like, you know that you're going to win, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, we get to play war, and we know we're going to win. Like, Shane Black was a little too excited about it. He's like, oh, I get to shoot guns and hit people, and then blood comes out? Like, this is great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When you get, like, these... um a personality type people though that can be a little dangerous because yeah. those are real guns and stuff stuff has been known to happen in these True. movies where blanks or you know i could totally see especially like a billy like a sunny Landham, like ha, ha ha let me put this gun to your head and it's, yeah. it's a fake gun so i can shoot it off i mean thankfully, yeah, these, thankfully stuff, that did not happen but the dudes in charge of like safety on the set of this movie had their hands full because yeah. there was a lot of dangerous stuff going on. A dangerous stuff and dangerous crew. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, yeah, Mac rolls in and he says, you know, both the hostages are dead yeah. that they took out of the plane. He also says, he's like, and you know, these guys were not diplomats. Yeah. He's, you know, he says basically he's, they're almost certainly CIA and, the and that Russian, the bad guys were Russian, Russian. military advisors. Yeah. So, He's like, whatever was happening here, like something big was about to happen. I I wonder, like they don't really get into that in the movie, but I wonder how, but they have those little scenes where somebody is like, oh, this was what really happened. Like, how did they figure that stuff out? Like, was it just, they just saw some documents? They definitely didn't show us a whole lot. Like maybe they had a bunch of vehicles and stuff that we never got to see or, you know, other, I don't know. But yeah, or I think they had so much ammunition and weaponry there that like, it was more than the amount that the people who were at that base yeah, but could have used. I, that stuff to me is so interesting that that could almost be a, a movie within itself. Like if they had never even had the Predator yeah. as part of this movie, I would have still been like intrigued by the deep storylines that they were. It's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even if it had been and now we got to get out and we got an army chasing after us. Yeah. That'd be good. Because, yeah, this section of the movie, this episode three section, Predator Never makes an appearance. Yeah. Like, I mean, this section stands alone. Not it's predator free. Yeah. So basically, all the first half of this movie is a giant red herring. It's kind of yeah. throwing you off to what's really going to happen. So, 
is that clever screenwriting? Because like they're writing this whole screenplay and it has nothing to do with what actually is happening in the movie. Well, I like it gives us a big climactic action sequence mm-hmm. early in the movie because I mean this this scene like this sequence was so big yeah. it could have been the end of a movie like yeah. it was you know it was the good guys wiping out all the bad guys yep. and then then you know then the movie provides us with another bad guy but um yeah I think it's really well done especially if you came into the movie not really sure what to expect mm-hmm. and you're just like rolling with it you know cuz yeah you don't realize that it's a red herring until until they start getting picked off what if they had what if they had somehow tied whatever was happening in this guerrilla camp to the predator though like mm. like maybe the predator was part of that group or maybe they were there out researching the predator i, I don't know yeah. how they would have done it but uh, would that yeah. have made for a better story i mean the story itself is fine but just in hindsight, would that have well, made for a better... Well, I think that they had to have the... Because it almost feels like two different movies. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think they kind of had to have the diplomat storyline just as an excuse to get, you know, our good guys in there. Mm-hmm. So that's probably was the genesis of it was we need an excuse for these guys to be in the jungle with no backup. Yeah, like, and they almost basically say that with uh, Carl Weathers' character. He's like, I just uh-huh. need an excuse to get these guys into the... into the. So I yeah. cooked up this story. And yeah, I, he gave them a story, and it's sort of like the filmmakers uh, were given the audience a story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've always... I mean, this, this is such a tricky question because it's a great movie, and I don't know. It just... To me, it, it's always felt like two different movies. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I just wonder, like, if they had tied it together. It's somehow. like a war movie and then a monster movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, we, uh, we almost forgot before we move on. We had Poncho and Blaine are off chasing down the last couple of guys, mm-hmm. and um, they I guess like, like, there was so much action that happens that we might. Right, well, this something. happened afterwards. Like we yeah. thought, we sort of catch our breath, and then like they're going after I guess the last couple guys who are trying to get away, but they're up. They're sort of holed up in some bunker. Mm-hmm. Up above, and uh, that's when you know Poncho points out to to Blaine. He's like, "Hey, you're bleeding," and what do you got? Like, He's like, uh, "I ain't got time to bleed." <laughs> that's another just iconic line yeah. for this movie. Uh, and and, it, and also Poncho makes his return to the movie from wherever uh, he was. He was he <laughs> was shooting a lot of grenades earlier <laughs> yeah. in the battle. But um, this is this, this they should rename this movie one liner because there's so many great <laughs> one liners in this film. Well, I mean Jesse Ventura made a career off that line. Yeah, yeah. So he owes whoever wrote that line. He owes them. Uh, he mm-hmm. owes them a drink at least. This is <laughs> like we've said it before and we'll say it again. This is like the most macho movie on the face. Oh. Of the planet. There's no much no muy muy macho. <laughs> but yeah, and then Pancho comes back and he tells him he shoots a grenade up to where the guys are holding. He's like, "You got time to duck?" <laughs> Which that line just doesn't really stand up beside. Yeah, you ain't need got the, time to bleed. You need that punchline. <laughs> Jesse Ventura being like, honestly, I would say he seems like he's probably the most alpha macho guy to me in the movie, even more so wow. than like Sonny or, that is or Schwarzenegger. A lot too. I can see that. He's just like that. that stuff he was saying in the helicopter on the way in. Yeah, like just everything about him. But it, it he's brings, the biggest badass out of a bunch of big badasses. And it brings to mind this story of like just how sort of competitive things were behind the scenes on the movie. Like, there's an amazing story um, on the behind the scenes documentary where Jesse Ventura, you know, he's talking to the interviewer and he's like. 
and I gotta tell you, it felt pretty good when the costume designer came to me and told me that my arms were bigger than Arnold's five-time Mr. Olympia. <laughs> and then they cut to Arnold, and he's like, oh, well, good, then my joke worked. Because <laughs> I, I told the costume designer to go to Jesse and tell him that his arms were bigger than mine. Yeah, but so see- he came to a, he, So he comes to Arnold, and he's like, hey, Arnold, we should measure arms. And I was like... That's a great idea. We should measure arms. Why don't we bet a bottle of champagne on whose arms are bigger? Yeah, but that's how ballsy they are. The fact that he would even think that that was... Like, I can't just roll up into a movie and think that my arms are going to be bigger than Right, just because you're a taller guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So So anyway, the end of that story is they measured arms and Arnold's arms were three three inches larger than Jesse Ventura's. He had to run back with his tail tucked between his legs. (laughs) I'm sure Jesse was quite okay. But like, yeah, these dudes, I mean, just macho is an understatement yeah i think for how these guys were operating yeah yeah uh so we get into the part where uh dylan's all excited about capturing the the, the camp and he's <laughs> running through like a you know like little kid at christmas right. he's like looking through all this paperwork like oh my god we got all this stuff my note says that uh dylan is orgasmic <laughs> as he's going through all the intelligence docs <laughs> so i said orgy you say orgasmic <laughs> i mean he he was so excited! He to was be, very excited. He's just running around with hands full, of, handful of papers. And, and I've, this gets back to where he's such a shitty field operative because he's let his <laughs> he's let his guard down at this point, right? Like he's um like he should still be maintaining like his uh his facade of this. Is, yeah, we're in here to like have done this one job. Like, but no, he totally lets his guard down, and now he's like, oh, I'm so happy to have gotten in and there and found all this stuff. Not only is he, like, not hiding his excitement, he's, like, actively saying out loud, he's like, oh, this is more than we ever thought we'd get. He's <laughs> like, who are you talking to, Dylan? <laughs> he should have just said, oh, I'm sure glad I fooled those guys and they're bringing me out to the jungle. <laughs> so Arnold, Arnold smoothly comes to him, and he's like, got a paper in his hand. He's like, I think this is what you're looking for. And, uh, Dylan takes the paper to look at it. Arnold grabs him by the throat and just slams and him Dylan into the wall. Dylan takes the paper. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> that would he be like forget, did he forget that Arnold wasn't part of this plan? <laughs> like he would, like he would be the worst person to cheat on, like his girlfriend or like. <laughs> He'd hey. come home, baby. You won't believe what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally stuck with this other woman. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's terrible. He's a good character, but he's terrible at his job. He, yeah, but um. It's a really good scene, though, now, the confrontation between Dutch and Dylan. He's got him pinned against the wall, and yeah. he's, like, telling him, you know, you, you set us up. We're, you, you brought us in here, mercenaries, to do your dirty work. Yep, and, and Dylan basically tells uh, Dutch that him and his crew are expendable assets. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's an old military term that we've seen before where, you know, you just you send the crew in. It's a suicide mission. But... Dylan, I mean, Dutch didn't know that. Like, they didn't know that no. going into it. They probably wouldn't have accepted the mission. And they, yeah, they laid it in early in the mission, you know, um, when they were, back when they were at their base. Dylan's asking him, why'd you pass on the Libya job? And he says, you know, we're a rescue squad. Yeah. We're not assassins. Mm-hmm. So they did. They laid it in there early it's, that, like, this is not the type of work that these guys there do. There's certainly a fine line, though, in a rescue mission and an assassination. Right. We're going to kill... 50 guys to rescue one guy yeah, versus yeah. we're just going to kill 50 guys and not rescue anybody. And, and the hostage was already killed anyway, so they weren't really yeah. rescuing anybody. They, they thought there was maybe another guy in there. That but was more yeah. redemption than anything else. And they were mad about or Hopper. Revenge. They were mad about Jim Hopper. Yeah, so that's unprofessional. Like, Yeah, they you, took it personally. Yeah. You know, but anyway, 
Um, yeah, the, he sort of says, we just stopped an invasion. Like, you know, you guys were the only guys who could come in here and get this job done. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Dutch has got his feelings hurt. He's a, <laughs> right? He's a little buddy. He's like, what happened, Dylan? You used to be somebody I could trust. Yeah, and that's why, that's why I, I feel like, as great as this movie is, would have benefited if they had tied in the opening part of the movie to... There would have just been a more of a, an emotional... Mm-hmm. Um, connection with the film if we had really been connected to whatever that mission was you know yeah but but again that's me that's me having seen the movie Uh, i can't even tell you how many times i've seen this movie oh yeah so uh, if you just see it for the first time (laughs) like it doesn't matter but you know we've seen this movie i don't know like 50 times well not oh yeah i mean i've been seeing this movie since i was little and uh so we had also mentioned earlier that john mctiernan was lobbying for an actor that he could play against Arnold that would really bring mm-hmm. out the best in Arnold. And this scene right here, I think, is the scene he was probably thinking about when he yeah. when he wanted to cast Carl Weathers as uh, Dylan. Right. McTiernan said, like, this in Arnold's career was, like, the first time that he had a real scene where you're mm-hmm. going back and forth with someone and, like, yeah. in each other's faces. And, I mean, Arnold kind of took to it pretty naturally. Yeah. Most actors out there will agree that you're only you're as good as the right. actor you're acting. Yeah, with. you need to get a lot of help from your yeah, unless your you're co-star. just like just like a Brando or something like that. I think they also said that originally in the in the first drafts of the screenplay, Dylan character was just like pretty much a straightforward mm-hmm. bad guy, mm-hmm. and then Carl Weathers came in and he wanted to add some more sort of I guess depth to it. You mm-hmm. know, like wanted to give him motivation that the audience could see where he's coming from yeah which i mean i think it actually really worked because i mean so much more interesting when you can understand the the quote-unquote bad guys motivation like i mean really he sent his jim hopper team in right and he lost them but he didn't know that at the time so he's he doesn't like, know he lost john hopper and yet. and like i mean as much as arnold and his crew aren't you know mercenaries like this seems like a job that needed to happen. Like By they need to get someone to stop this invasion from happening. Like I mean, there's enough there that so yeah, that's that Dylan's more than just a straightforward bad guy. Like he's but that's the thing. Like couldn't they have just sent Dylan? I honestly believe he could have told Dylan, "Hey, this is what's really happening. Like the Russians are on the border of the United States and they're about to invade America." Mm-hmm. So we need you to go in there and stop them. And I think Dylan and his group would have been like, oh, okay. I mean, Dutch and his group would have gone in yeah. like, oh, yeah, okay. That's, that's I'm not I'm... sure. Like, it seems like the answer should be an easy yes. But, you know, he does say we only take rescue but missions. When you say, which but, is like, uh, as you say, that's like a real gray area yeah, of and w- but morals. When I hear rescue missions, I think like Coast Guard and firefighters. Like, yeah. they're, they're so much more than that. But whatever, it, it doesn't matter. But right, you're not. Point. They're not. I mean, they're definitely not humanitarian. No, yeah, you know, not, like <laughs> not after that firefight. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do like, you know, basically, Dylan is trying to accomplish the mission by any means necessary, and I think you know that's something you can sort of appreciate from a a military strategic whatever point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to wrap up our third episode. Uh, make sure to join us next time as we get into more Predator. Yeah, there's a lot more to cover here, people. All right. All right. All right, bye. Bye.